This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 8th, 2019. It ain't in there. God won't give you more than you can handle. Given by Disciple Member, Bill Trench. Started with a runny nose, sniffles, maybe a slight fever. She was tired all the time. They took her to all the doctors in the region. They even took her to the Romans. He worked in the synagogue, so the entire synagogue prayed for her. He even came to the home and prayed over her. He was a devout man of God, but he was losing his only daughter, and there was nothing he could do. He did happen to hear about this Jesus that was in the neighborhood. And his wife was like, you need to go see Jesus. You need to get Jesus here. This is our daughter, our only daughter. What would the people think? What would the synagogue think? What would my friends and family think? You need to go get Jesus. As he headed there, he prayed, God, I can't handle this alone can't handle this alone. I'm not sure about this Jesus, but I have nowhere else to go. You been there? You losing your home? You got bills piled up on your kitchen sink? You losing your marriage? You losing your kids or yourself to addiction? You losing your health, or maybe the health of someone that you love? Have you been there? Are you there right now? Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Bill Trench, and most of the time, you probably see me standing over here playing guitar and singing, but since the pastors are away this weekend, um, they let me speak. So... We are continuing our series on It Ain't In There, and um, the first week it was, uh, you know, we're going over these quotes that people mis- misquote, and they say that they're in the Bible, but that ain't in there. So the first week we went over God helps those who help themselves, it ain't in there. Last week we went over money is the root of all evil, and it ain't in there. And this week, God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay, say it with me. It ain't in there. Okay, before we dive into this pretty heavy subject, let's pray. Father, uh, this is is a tough message for all of us, God. Um, Just help me to get out of the way. Help all of us see you. Help all of us hear your word. And help all of us feel your presence throughout this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So have you ever been in a situation where you, um, you're, you have an issue going on, you've had it going on for a while, and you just got to let somebody know about it? You know, you, you finally confide in a friend or a family member or a pastor or somebody. But you finally sit down with them and you, you tell them the whole story. I mean, you just lay it all out. Say, you, you know, this is my life and it's horrible and I can't take it. And they look at you and they say, honey, 
God won't give you more than you can handle. Don't you want to just scream? Have you been there? Have you, have you been in those conversations? It is just amazing. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is anger. Uh, maybe even physical, but um, it's the last thing you need to hear when you're in that situation. When all of you is saying, I can't handle this, God. The last thing you want to hear is that God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, the good news is it ain't in there. And really, when we actually hear this quote, it's just ridiculous, right? It's just ridiculous when you hear it because we've all been in situations. And if you haven't, you will be in a situation where you can't handle it. God's word never says you can't handle it or um, that he won't give you more than you can handle, but there are numerous examples of the opposite. Let's start with Moses. Moses said to God multiple times, I can't handle it. I don't want to handle it. I can't speak. I can't handle these crazy Israelites. I can't do it, God. But through God, he could. And by the way, he stood at the Red Sea. He had a million Egyptians coming after him with a million more uh, Israelites waiting for him to do something. And what did he do? He parted the Red Sea, not by his own hand, but with God's help. And then there's David, the shepherd boy, kills the mammoth Goliath with a sling and a stone, not on his own. He had some help. Joshua was told to stop the sun for 24 hours. He prayed it, and guess what? The sun stopped for 24 hours. Do you think Joshua did that? No. Nehemiah had a dream of building a wall around Jerusalem after they were in capti captives in Babylon. And, you know, he actually did it, but he, he needed help from God and he needed help from the people of Jerusalem to help him. And he, quite frankly, got it done in 52 days. Look, I could spend a whole message on this just talking about all the examples in the Bible of how God does give you more than you can handle. But let's remember this. Even Jesus, even Jesus reached the point where he couldn't handle it. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was getting ready to go to the cross. And the Bible says his soul, his soul, this is Jesus, Son of God, his soul, was overwhelmed to the point of death. Sounds like you couldn't handle it. He needed God. He said, your will, Lord, your will. So we're in good company. So let's talk about some practical examples. How many people here, raise your hands, have created a brain? Nobody? We can't have a single thought without God. How many people here created a lung? You can't take a single breath without God. How many people here made the sun come up today? How many people here put oxygen in the atmosphere? Look, it's amazing sometimes how we overlook how much we can't handle the simplest things in life without God. It's because we weren't meant to. We weren't made to. 
handle things on our own. That's not how we were wired. It's not how God created us. Which leads us to our scripture for today. It's a story in three of the Gospels. The Gospels are just the ministry of Jesus that's written in the New Testament. It's in the back of your Bible. If you have your Bible, it's back there. It's to look for the men's names. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke. And I'm looking at the Mark version of the story in chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. And um, if you have your app, just plug in Mark, chapter 5. So let's go over this. Um, I think it'll help you understand a little bit more about why God gives us more than we can handle. So when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd, underline, gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. Pleaded earnestly in translation is he begged him. He begged him. See, this is a huge deal. Synagogue leaders didn't get on their knees in front of priests, especially this one, and beg for their help. But in full disclosure, he was desperate. He was desperate. He had not found anywhere else to go. And the task of taking care of his daughter was more than he could handle. So where did he turn? Jesus. Jairus was probably a Pharisee or a Sadducee in the, in the synagogue and, and someone of great stature. He was well known in the, in the uh, community and probably rich. But he put everything he believed in, everything. He gave it all up, basically, to head out to Jesus for his daughter. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. In Luke's version, it says it crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she got worse. See, this woman was an outcast in this society that day. She was unclean in the eyes of her religion. Unclean means that she did not spend time in social gatherings. She wasn't allowed. She was not allowed to go to the synagogue. She was not allowed to go to the well with the other women. She was literally alone, isolated. And in this story, she doesn't talk about a husband, so I'm guessing she was ultimately totally alone. She would have been treated pretty much like a leper, trash. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She was putting her life on the line, by the way, to be doing this. If she touches someone else and she's considered unclean, now they're unclean. And especially if she touches a prophet or someone that is of religious standing. And she touches his clothes because she thought if she touches his clothes, I will be healed. And the hem of the, the tassel of the cloak of a rabbi was made meticulously with blue and white thread. And the tassels themselves actually were symbols 
of how much their life has been given to God. So this is a big deal, someone unclean touching those things. Immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Pretty funny that if you want power of Jesus to reach you, you must make the first step and reach out to him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at, fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She was trembling with fear because she was unclean, touching a rabbi. She didn't know what Jesus was going to do, and he knew who she was. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Jairus must have felt absolutely horrible at this point. He's getting the news that his daughter is dead after he put everything on the line. Everything, his, in life, his entire career, his life is on the line for going and finding Jesus and asking him to help him. And here Jesus is stopping to help another person while he's trying to get him to come back to help his daughter and he's finding out his daughter is dead. But you notice that Jesus was not worried. He said, don't be afraid. And he didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brothers of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in there where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Could you imagine? He gave strict orders to not let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Why can't God just fix the issues we have? Why can't he just fix them? Well, he certainly could, right? He certainly could. But that assumes that there's no purpose in suffering. See, there is purpose in suffering. Ultimately, our purpose in life is to love God and to be loved by him. And as a good father, he will use all the good and the bad in our lives to strengthen that relationship between us and push us to be more like his son, Jesus. It's hard news to swallow, I know. But there's purpose in suffering. So let's unpack a little bit more about these characters, the bleeding woman and Jairus. They have a lot in common. They both did everything they could to fix their situations on their own. Right? On their own. 
They spent all their money. They saw all the specialists they needed to seek out. And nothing worked. Both had to reach the end of themselves. And in desperation, reach out to Jesus for their help. They had to surrender. She surrendered her life, her physical life. She could have been killed. Jairus surrendered his entire career, his whole life. He would have been banished by his family. They both resolved to take a leap of faith in order to gain a miracle. And that took a sacrifice and a very large risk for both of them. See, to truly understand these situations in the Bible, we really have to kind of dig in a little bit into the context of what's going on here. So let's look at both of these characters again. The woman, the bleeding woman. First century, first of all, women weren't treated much better than animals in some ways. But a woman who has a bleeding disorder, it doesn't get much worse. And a bleeding disorder for 12 years. I can't handle pain for 12 minutes, let alone 12 years of this. 12 years. She was isolated, ostracized, everything. She tried everything, it says in the scripture. She tried everything. Do you realize that there are certain things back in that day for these types of illnesses, like carrying an ostrich egg around for 12 days? That means she tried that too. She tried everything and nothing worked, right? She was ostracized from society, ostracized. She was, she was ostracized from her own religion. And she was isolated for 12 years. But her hope and her faith pushed her on. And that is what Jesus felt. That is what Jesus felt. The power went out of him. He not only felt her touch his tassel and his cloak, he felt her faith. And I'm not talking about the faith it took for her to get in that crowd and crawl through it to get to him. I'm talking about the faith that took her 12 years of isolation to still have faith. That's what he felt. That's what healed her. That's a beautiful scene, by the way. We talk about this scene and it's like you can you know, kind of, you ever been to a concert where it's like crowded and you just want to get out of there because you're almost crushed? That's what this scene is. I mean, he's a superstar at this point. He's, he's getting crushed. And yet when you hear him talking to this woman, it's almost like it's just the two of them. It's beautiful. God sees her in the crowd. He feels her. He knows she's there. Even the disciples question it. How do you even know you can, that this person's there? That they touched you. Jesus healed bleeding. But more than that, he healed her identity and her self esteem. He called her daughter. There's no other place in Scripture that he calls someone he heals daughter. He calls her daughter. That's, that's a word that's relationship. That's exactly what she needed. She needed to know she belonged. Sometimes God wants to give us more than we can handle to help us realize we aren't what the world tells us we are. But we're his child. 
his daughter, his son, loved by God. He wants us to identify with who he is and who he is to us. We tend to let our circumstances, our jobs, our culture define us, who we are. We tend to let how much money we make or what kind of job we have or how we look define who we are. How about you? Has your situation left you feeling isolated, alone? Who do you say you are? Has your suffering stolen your identity? Maybe your suffering is your identity. Are you ready to reach out to Jesus? Let him define you. It's always going to take a leap of faith. It's always, always going to take a leap of faith. Let's look at Jairus, the synagogue leader. His faith wasn't in Jesus. He was a synagogue leader. He was a Jewish Sadducee, Pharisee. He was a guy that had a God, had a faith, but it wasn't in Jesus. You know, Jesus never asks us to believe. He asks us to follow. When we follow him, he will do the rest. He will get us closer. Jesus reached the home of Jairus. And what did we hear? Crying and wailing. And then when he said, the girl's just asleep, she's not dead, what happened? They laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. Can you imagine laughing at Jesus? Jesus always has the last say. Talitha kum. Little girl, get up. Always has the last say. Sometimes God needs to give us more than we can handle to show us his true power, even over death. What's dead in your life? A relationship? A dream? A business? Jesus has the last say. Are you willing to take a leap of faith? Are you willing to run to Jesus? Jesus can take our small bit of faith and mix it with his power and grace and do things that will astonish you. Could you imagine how astonished those parents were when she got up? He can take something dead and make it alive. Are you ready? Are you at the end of you? God will most certainly give us more than we can handle because like any good father, he knows what is best for us. And he knows that your relationship with him will pay eternal dividends. So if it takes some suffering or difficulty to get you there, then it is certainly worth every tear. Let me say that again. If it takes some suffering or difficulty to get you there next to God, then it is certainly worth every tear.
It'd be disingenuous for me to stand up here and tell you about these truths if I hadn't experienced them myself. So the last several years have been very difficult for me, very difficult, probably the most difficult years I've ever had. Ten years ago, I've, I fell in love with a woman and we married. And we raised four awesome kids. We had one of those families that did everything together. It was kind of ridiculous. Um, but a few, few years ago, things changed. She became distant and isolated. I would say depressed. Um, and wouldn't really open up about it. We tried everything. Counseling. Space. Even separation. But in 2017, we divorced. And, um, but in early 2018, she, she came back and we remarried. I highly suggest not doing it that quickly because things really hadn't changed. You know, it was too quick. And in six months, we were right back where we were. And, you know, about a year ago, a little over a year ago today, um, would be a year since our second divorce. You know, divorce sucks. Divorce sucks for everyone, regardless of what or who is to blame. It sucks. It feels like your heart's ripped out from your chest and you can't breathe and you don't know how to handle it and you don't know what to do. I spent hours and weeks on my knees talking to God about this, crying and figuring things out and just saying, God, help me to understand this. Help me to understand why. What did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? What should I have done differently? And he just said, love her. And I said, love her? Like, how do you love someone that doesn't want to be loved or isn't in a place to be loved? How do you love someone that is, has left? How do you do it, Lord? Someone that has hurt you. And God said, the exact same way I love you, Bill. The same way I love you. See, we've all hurt God. We've all hurt God, and yet he loves us. You see, at that point, I had a choice. I could be bitter, or I could be better. Let me say that again. I had a choice. I could be bitter, or I could be better. I chose better. I chose to move towards God, not away from God. You see, that's a choice. That is a choice. You better or better. You move towards God or you move away from God. You choose where you want to go. I still love my ex-wife and I still pray for reconciliation, but, you know, divorce is difficult. And I have compassion for her. But at the same time, I'm following my dreams that God has now given me. 
He's filled my heart with them. I have had a chance to go to Haiti. I've had a chance to go to Sierra Leone, Africa. I'm going back again in February. I have served on many, many different serving teams. I have served in my job. I lead a small group of young adults that are just amazing. And as you know, I stand up here every week and I sing praises to God. He gave me that strength, right? He gave that to me because I couldn't handle it on my own. I don't praise God for my situation. I praise God simply for who he is. God is love. God has never left my side. God has never abandoned me. And I have seen blessing after blessing, even in the midst of suffering. You see, God will certainly give us more than we can handle, not as a punishment, but as a way to show us and to teach us who he is and that there is nothing he can't overcome or heal in the process, nothing. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask for or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, Ephesians 3.20. If you are lost, desperate, and you feel like you can't handle it anymore, then guess what? You're in good company. God never meant us to do this alone. Never. That's what the church is all about. That's what you're all about. Living life alongside some people who are just as lost as we are that are heading in the same direction. As a matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Because you do. You need each other we need each other. We have a God that gave his very life so that we wouldn't have to be without him. But just like the bleeding woman in Jairus, Jesus is waiting for you to reach out to him. Do it. Do it now. You will never, ever forget it or regret it. I know some of you are searching and seeking all about what this Jesus thing is. And if that's you, I highly suggest you check out Alpha this Wednesday. Just show up. But you came here with questions. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe you're exhausted and living life your way. Maybe you're ready to give this Jesus thing a chance. For some of you, it's something inside you that's just saying, take the first step. Take that first step. I have three things I want to leave you with. You may feel isolated. You may feel alone. Even in a crowd like this, you may feel isolated and you may feel alone. But I'm telling you this. You are never, ever lost in a crowd with Jesus. He found that woman while he was being crushed in a crowd. 
He will never leave you in a crowd. He knows who you are. You may be at the end of your rope for whatever situation you may be in. But never, ever, ever give up. Jesus always has the last say. Kalitha Tum. He has the last say. And the last thing is this. The first step in any miracle is surrender. You have to surrender. These guys surrendered everything. Are you ready to surrender everything? Trust him with everything. Let's all bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, this is a tough subject. Lord, but I believe you have touched some hearts today. For those of you who haven't accepted Jesus as your own but are ready to take that next step, then I pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You died for my sin. Forgive me for the things I've done that were wrong. Today, Jesus, I am ready to make you Lord of my life. Come live in my heart and give me peace. If you prayed that for the first time, then you are a new creation. And your life will never be the same. For those of us who have taken Jesus as Lord, but we are slipping or drifting, God, would you please remind us, remind our spirits that even in the worst of suffering, you are there right next to us, suffering with us. And remind us that our suffering, that your suffering on the cross has set us free to not worry about handling things on our own, but that you are a good father and you will always be there and you are able to handle everything. Connection, I pray that today is the day you surrender. You give it all to him. Today is the day your miracle starts. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Connection, let's give a big round of applause for God because he deserves all the glory. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.